Welcome everyone back to another City of Hope Church podcast. This is a continuation of our small group series and we're talking about um, the very last chapter, the very last value in our book, Kingdom Values. Uh, We're going to be talking about power. In this particular episode, we're going to be covering pages 167 through 182, roughly. And so if this is your first time listening uh, or if you're jumping in at a later point, you are uh, free to go back and listen to the episodes leading up to this one. We cover a multitude of different things from gospel, identity, community, mission. And then, like I said, lastly, we're going to be finishing up with power. And so let's just jump right in, Clay. Um, it's been a, a wonderful journey so far, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, this particular uh, episode, we're talking about empowered living. And and when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, uh, it's the topic of quite a bit of division, uh, quite a bit of uh, conversation, and um, just different viewpoints on the subject of, of the Holy Spirit and kind of um, what that means in, in our lives in terms of uh, being empowered for holy living, as the, the, the book talks about here. And so I'm just going to throw this off to you, Clay. What does it, when we're saved, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what, what does that look like? What does it, uh, is, there a, is there a process to that? It's kind of, you know, walk through that with us and, and kind of define for us different viewpoints maybe and kind of how we see things here. Yeah, so... <clears throat> The power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Holy Spirit in our lives has been it's been a it's been a big debate throughout history. And if you come from a church background that's probably more uh, mainline like Baptist or Presbyterian or um, you know Methodist or something like that, then essentially more than likely what you've been taught about the Holy Spirit is, that he saves you and that's your salvation you receive the fullness of the holy spirit and generally what he does is is he convicts you of sin and he illuminates scripture to you and he leads you into all truth and uh and then and you know he empowers you for holy living and then a lot of times in those in those groups you'll have people that that are that are uh, what what you call uh, cessationists a lot of time, and what that means is that they just believe that the, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. And there's you know there's a lot of I, I notice a lot of confusion even when it comes to what it means to be like Pentecostal because they have a different view of the Holy Spirit altogether, and that's what dis- distinguishes Pentecostals for the most part. And but oftentimes like even even when people talk about Pentecostals, they always assume that they're you know they're snake handlers, or they're this or that, or they're tongue talkers. But the the main thing that that is the big difference between most most I won't say all the there's even differences among those. But mm-hmm. but when you get Pentecostals or charismatic groups, Pentecostals are, are label themselves that because what they essentially believe in is that is that you're saved, okay? And so it, the way that they would teach it would be that. Okay, you you repent and turn to Jesus because you're you're convicted of sin. The Holy Spirit draws you. You repent, put faith in Christ, and you're saved. And the Holy Spirit regenerates your spirit. And if you look throughout history, there was like like John Wesley, for example, was a Methodist. He was the guy who started the Methodist movement. And what he recognized was a bunch of Christians who were saved, but they needed. 
a, de- a deeper holiness, a deeper walk with God. Yeah. And what they were started, they were praying and fasting and seeking God and having encounters with the Holy Spirit in which they were sanctified, like in, in deeper ways, like in a moment of time, they'd have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and, 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 um, and basically old habits, sinful habits would just break off their lives. Mm. And so he started teaching holiness and sanctification as like this second work. Like once we're saved, we really need to pursue God for a move of the Spirit where we're sanctified in a much deeper way and God breaks some old sinful habits. And he would teach that sanctification by the Spirit was both uh, instantaneous and progressive. Uh That there were moments where the power of God just hits your life when you were seeking God and it would break certain things off of you. But then it's a day-to-day walk, too, because you've got to pray, read Scripture, worship, take communion, be in fellowship, confess your sins. Like, that's a daily thing that progressively you're being sanctified as well. Well, what that really led into was the Pentecostal movement because they said, well, we see something in Scripture where not only are you sanctified, but you're empowered to do things that you've never been able to do before. And and for most of your Pentecostals, when they experience what they would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? They they accompanied that with, based on the book of Acts, that if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance because that's what they saw in Acts 2. That's what they saw in, in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius' household. That's what they saw in Acts chapter 19, if you read whenever Paul goes to Ephesus. And so you've really got, you've got, really got three lines of thought. Okay, you receive all the Holy Spirit when you get saved, and and then, you know, he doesn't. The Lord may do miracles, but that's kind of His own thing. He's mm-hmm. going to do it outside of me. Yeah. For me, the Holy Spirit just convicts me of sin, illuminates Scripture to me, helps me li- live a little bit better. It's not really something you're chasing after. Yeah, and let's not go into gifts of Spirit. That's a little bit weird. Let's not touch that. Uh, the second belief is like the, 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 the Pentecostal belief that, okay, you get saved, but, but now you need to be sanctified. That's why I used to, when people would testify, they'd say, thank God I'm saved, sanctified, filled with heaven, sweet Holy Ghost. Yeah. They, were, they were laying out a three thing. And so the big division is, are there like first class and second class Christians? Like some that have all the Holy Spirit, some that have a little bit more. Like how, how does that work? How does that function? Well, there's a middle ground. And I think like uh, certain certain t- Bible teachers, a uh, guy we talked about last, last semester in our small group, Jeremy, David Campbell is one of them, uh, Wayne Grudem, who's written a systematic theology. He, he fits more back into the Baptist camp. And then, and then another guy that was like with Vineyard, uh, which is a, a charismatic movement. And, 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 and just for those of you, Pe- Pentecost, if we're, if we're defining terms, is because of on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Mm-hmm. They're all filled with the power of the Spirit. And now they, they all speak in known languages, in tongues, as the Spirit gives them utterances. And it's a miracle that was a reversal of Babel in Genesis 11. But now they have the power of the Spirit to proclaim the gospel, to be mm-hmm. witnesses throughout the earth, and signs and wonders start following them. Right. So they, they think, okay, we need that kind of experience. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to preach the gospel so that signs and wonders follow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much, in a nutshell, what that means. But then for charismatics, you get charis... Charis means grace, ma, mata means gifts. So what you're basically saying is we just believe in, we believe in spiritual gifts. And, and that's kind of like a central thing in, in our beliefs. Um, but for, like I said, 
for Wayne Grudem, for David Campbell, for a guy like John Wimber from the Vineyard Movement, what they would say is, no, looks like biblically that there's one baptism in the Holy Spirit, that when you get saved, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and honestly, in that moment, you should be able to, uh, you, you, should, you should have the, like, that baptism should happen in a way where power comes. Yeah. Like gifts of the Spirit should be activated in your life when you get saved. Mm-hmm. But they would argue, and David Campbell even argues, that even though he sees that biblically, in his own life, he got saved, and like five years later, you know, he got saved in like a Baptist church, and then like five years later, he goes to a service where the power of God just radically hits him, mm. and he begins operating in spiritual gifts. Now that, see that, that's why Pentecostals will say, and even in my own life, like here was my experience. I remember praying a prayer when I was 12 years old at a Baptist church. I was deeply convicted of sin. I, 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 I said the sinner's prayer and believed I was saved, you know. But I also continued my life apart from Jesus for several more years. Yeah. And then in my 20s, you know, 1920, I start reading the Bible again, deeply convicted once again, say the sinner's prayer multiple times. Don't know if I'm saved or not because my life is in such shambles. But I keep seeking the Lord, and what happens, my experience, is more along the lines of what a John Wesley or, or maybe even a Pentecostal would say because something happens yeah. after I've said the sinner's prayer and believe in Jesus to save me where the Spirit of God comes and does something radically, and in a moment of time, He empowers me, sets me free from certain sinful patterns of behavior. But not only that, probably the key thing that I noticed in that moment where, where the encounter with the Holy Spirit was I now had an empowerment to just to preach Jesus, man. Like I would, I would never talk about Jesus to my friends before. After that, it's like I could not hold back. Mm. So there's a newfound power now to speak to them about that. Now, so there's an argument there that it's like you could argue, well, it seems like Clay said the sinner's prayer and got saved before, and then afterward the Holy Spirit happened, and like the Holy Spirit came in a deeper way. Uh, my argument is, is, is like I would rather us not argue about it. Yeah. I, I, I would rather us just say, look, what it seems like is you could get saved tomorrow, and you here's the thing. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of you. He dwells on the inside of you. But in your relationship with God, you're yielding yourself in greater measure to Him as you as you progress. And there are moments where you need to open yourself up to not just saying, I did receive the Holy Spirit when I got saved, but I need to be filled more deeply. Yeah. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says it in, in basically a present, ongoing, active tense so that we would translate it, be always continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Acts chapter 2, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues, preaches the gospel boldly is the main thing. Mm-hmm. Then Acts chapter 4, they meet together again, they pray, what happens? Filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak the word of God with boldness. Once again, he's persecuted. They tell him to shut up. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly speaks against those religious leaders. The point being is there's greater encounters. As much as I've been filled with the Holy Spirit to this this point in my life, there's still greater encounters for me in the Holy Spirit. There's still more he wants to do in my life. So, I mean, just to keep everybody on the same page, when you get saved, 
uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says that we've all been baptized into the body by one spirit. So let's just say, okay, so when you get saved, we're all, we've all received the baptism in the spirit. But he wants to bring us into much greater levels of empowerment in the spirit yeah. so that we can function in the gifts of the spirit and the power of the spirit and be bold witnesses. Now, if somebody were in here, I'm sure they'd ask a lot of questions about that because that may make them more confused than before. But yeah. what, are you, what's, what are you picking up on from all I mean, that? to me, it just it seems like a, a, a natural maturing. Like I think of, I mean, even our human lives, you know, when we're when we first get saved we're a, we're a baby and 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 as we get older we mature and we learn to crawl and you learn to walk and you learn to run and your yeah. your your understanding develops and so forth and so on and so and, and like and it like if i look at my own walk with christ it seems like that's how it's been like yes it it's you know like you said you get saved you're you're filled with the holy spirit but at the same time there's a there's a lot of maturing that has to happen and the, and the lord is is it's like it's like he's gradually bringing us into this place of of greater measure yeah. uh, and he can do more and more as we continue to partner with him as we continue to seek those things out um to, it, that that just makes sense to me um, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to like, okay, say the prayer, get saved, boom, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then just kind of like, like like get stuck in a rut and don't seek things out. It makes sense to go after it, and, and as I go after it, like the Lord's going to do more and more and more. Well, and, and, and here's the thing too. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's wise to look at being filled with the Holy Spirit um, as like a doctrinal theory. Don't tell me you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you said a prayer and you believe in Jesus. When you're filled with the Spirit, there are indicators. You have a boldness to speak the Word of God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say, like, I think there's many, many people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, To I mean, like, and used in far greater capacity than, than I am myself that haven't spoken in tongues. I don't, I don't want to get into that whole thing, that argument. I speak in tongues, uh, and, and I had an encounter with the Lord where that happened, but I don't think that the Bible sets that standard on yeah. everybody needs to be doing this or they're not filled with the Spirit. I don't think that's accurate. I think it is a gift of the Spirit, and I, and I think that there's a you know probably an offer on the table for, for wh whoever will receive it from from the lord that you know you can have a personal prayer language and we'll get into that more next week but yeah. there, but there's more of the actual gift as it functions in like tongues and interpretation in a body i think only only a few people really ever function in that and it um, seems but it seems like when you mention the holy spirit and gifts of the spirit that's the only yeah, thing everybody people think gets about. really hung up on tongues and that's that's why while I think tongues is a gift from God and any gift from God is good and should never be downplayed, yeah. it's not something that we should overemphasize to the point of ostracizing people who are struggling with it. Yeah, it's not the only gift. The first, the okay, when I when I really felt like the Holy Spirit just like came and he, let me let me make this statement. This is one of the things that I experienced. The Holy Spirit comes in you at salvation. Okay, He does. He comes in you at salvation for your sake because yeah. you need the Holy Spirit to help you clean some stuff up on the inside and this and that. But there's a point where you seek God and the Holy Spirit comes on you mm. in power mm. and he comes on you for the sake of others. Mm. The Holy Spirit came in me to save me, to give yeah. me a new heart, to give yeah. me a new mind. But then there was a moment when I kept seeking God 
and he came on me to break chains and he came on me for the benefit of others yeah. so that I could minister and power to others. What you see on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on them and now they're empowered for ministry. And see, so what's interesting, one of the things that you're going to have to wrestle with in Scripture to some degree is like the fact, for example, in Acts chapter 8, you know, they go over to Samaria, and if you if you read in Acts chapter 8, I don't even know if this is in the book or not, but I feel like we, we can go ahead and hit at it. But like uh, it says now in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Mm. So it says they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. They've heard the word of God. Seems like they've been saved. Yeah. But at that particular point, they had, it says, like that's what it reads, you know, they hadn't received this empowerment so they go, and it even uses the language of he had not fallen upon them. Yeah. So Jesus uses the language of the Holy Spirit. He tells his disciples that he, he has been with you, he will be in you. But then in Acts 1.8 he says, you shall receive power after the Spirit, Holy Spirit has come upon you. Mm, so there's like good. three different prepositions of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life. He's yeah. with us, leading us and guiding us into all truth. He's in us, transforming who we are. And then he comes upon us to use us for ministry and to give us gifts of the Spirit so that we can do the works of Christ. And, and it's for other people. Yeah. And, and, so, and it's the same thing in Acts chapter 10. P Peter goes and preaches to Cornelius. And it says, while Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit, notice the language, fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then he said, then Peter answered, can anyone forbid that, those should, that, that these should be baptized uh, with water who have received the Holy Spirit just as we. Same in Acts chapter 19, just, just, to, just to show you kind of what we're talking about here, is that Paul goes into Ephesus and he comes and he finds some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, in, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Mm. So here's, here's my argument. is let, Let's not get into the doctrinal debate about it, but let's say that every single one of us need a greater encounter with the Holy Spirit, and we need to regularly, every day, ask the Holy Spirit, fill us, God, give us a greater empowerment, and, 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 and use, come upon us yeah. to use us in the gifts of the Spirit so that we can function in, in ministry and, and do things that we would not do. I would not be preaching the gospel as powerfully as I do. There's no way. Yeah. Without the Holy Spirit coming upon me, for sure. I remember, I remember when I fir first was called to preach, you know, and I and the Holy Spirit had done a major work in my life at that time. But I was so scared, still, still had such a fear of getting up and preaching. Mm -hmm. And I prayed and fasted a few days, and the first time that I preached, man, I felt the Holy Spirit literally 
come upon me mm. like heat yeah. on my head. And it was like all of a sudden I went from being scared to death and shaking to calm and bold. Yeah. And then I was able to speak and it poured out of my mouth. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person like that, they just, they ch you, you turn to a different person. It's not just you anymore. It's Christ in you working through you. You're not working for Christ anymore. Christ is working through you. Yeah. And, and that's what happens. And that's, uh, he goes into that in the, the book as well. You know, spiritual gifts are not derived from our natural abilities, our natural personalities, or our own righteousness. Uh, and, and a person cannot truly operate uh, in their spiritual gift without, in the moment, relying upon the Holy Spirit's power. It, it's just like you said, you know, when we're completely changed. It's, there's a big difference between, like, doing something... Um, within our own flesh, within our own power, within our own uh, strengths, and then all of a sudden, boom, right. the Holy Spirit breathing on that and coming upon you and giving you a, a particular thing for a particular time. Um, and, and like even what you said there too, I, I, I love that because the at first we're transformed from the inside out, like he changes us, but then we grow into a place where we're now going out and helping other people. We're serving other people. And that's how it's defined in the book is, you know, the Holy Spirit empower, empowers us to, to bear fruit, uh, to serve the body, and to bring his kingdom. And so when, you know, fruit, even if you think about it from like a, a natural perspective, a, a fruit is, is, you know, a tree produces fruit for something else. Um, I was, when I was in Africa, um, there was a gentleman that we were talking to and he kind of was speaking to me and he was talking about an orange and he said, you know, when you, you have an orange that is, is pressed and squeezed and the juice comes out of it and, and the orange, uh, it, the juice isn't for the orange, it's for the person that gets to drink it, but that, that orange must be squeezed, um, in order for it to produce that that juice and that was just like a real simple yet profound thing for me in that moment of uh of exactly what we're talking about um and and bearing fruit uh to to help other people in a in a moment of time um and to serve others and and like i said you know to bring his kingdom um Yeah, let's see here. John fifteen sixteen says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So the Spirit empowers us to bear the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of endurance. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things, too, you know, that I'll say about, about that, like obviously, like you said, he's the, the Spirit comes in, and when he's doing a deep work in your life, he, he's convicting you of sin. He's, he's, he's reproving you. He's shining light in the darkness. He's cutting away some things because he wants you to bear that fruit. So there's that deeper sanctification. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be a moment, if you're seeking God deeply, there's going to be a moment where the Holy Spirit like starts to burn away some flesh. <clears throat> and like I said, that's both instantaneous and progressive. But I would encourage people, man, that like... If you're if you're constantly struggling with anger, or you're constantly struggling with some sort of addiction or something like that, uh, and it's just like day to day struggle, I've been there. 
I'm telling you, you need to seek God in such a way that you have the faith to believe that the Holy Spirit can come in a moment of time and absolutely yeah. radically shift everything in your heart and mind. Like there's 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 deeper levels of power in those areas that we're, we've just not fully tapped into. I think sometimes we're not desperate enough to seek for it. I mean, Jesus gives the disciples the promise. He says, boys, you know, I'm about to, they watch this dude rise from the death, okay? He ascends into heaven, but he tells them, I need you all to wait. He says, it's actually going to be more advantageous for you and better for you if I go away. Because if I do not go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, he ain't going, the paraclete, the one called alongside you to help you, he won't come. But if I go away, he'll come. And no longer will I be one man doing these works outside of you. I'll be inside of hundreds and millions of men and women doing the works in and through you. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the works of Jesus Christ in the flesh. But acts are the acts of the Holy Spirit through the, the body of Christ mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. he's gone. And, and you see the language more and more in the book of Acts uh, of, of prayer and the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again. And Luke is trying to, trying to say that about about the the work of the spirit so so he he does that he he convicts us he brings us into deeper sanctification but then there's something about like you know for me the thing that i've noticed and this this is why you know it, it it's kind of goofy if you look at scripture to say like to one you shouldn't feel like a second class christian because i know people and that's why i don't want to get into this doctrinal debate even though we covered some of that because i know there's people in our church that really don't come from a background where they believe in that and they have a very negative view of pentecostalism and this and that but what i'm encouraging you to do is just is just believe that there again there's more of the holy spirit for all of us yeah and one of the things that i've even noticed was like you know, I was telling somebody the other day, I went into a store, uh, I went into a store recently, and I go there regularly now sometimes to get stuff, and I see this woman in there, and when I was about, when I had first really gotten saved and just filled with the Spirit was on fire, man, praying and fasting, uh, this woman came into my workplace, her and her friend, and man, God moved on me, and I went to them and prayed for the both of them. God heals one of them, and then she needs prayer for something else. And, so, and the Lord gave me a word. I'm just, mo I'm talking about these are the gifts of the Spirit. The Lord gave me a word about her forgiving somebody. And I confront her with that. And, and, her, and she, she turns and puts her head down. She said, no, you don't understand. I, can, I cannot do that. And I said, the Lord's here to give you grace to do it right now. He wants to set you free. I don't know. I would have never said that in my life. Mm -hmm. But I felt so compelled to do it. It was like it was so clear to me. But I'd been praying and fasting that week, man, seeking God, just just basically just waiting and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And I'd look at a person and my heart would start to pound, just go to them. And then these things start to rise up within you. That's spirit-led, spirit-empowered ministry. Yeah. And then that was one of the first times that something like that had ever happened to me. So anyway, we get down to it, and this, this woman forgives this person that had abused her deeply, like right in the middle of a daggone child support office. And she looks back up at me and said, don't take this the wrong way, but that made me sick. And she, just, she got like angry looking at me. And, uh, and I said, I don't know why I said it. I said, good, what would it feel like? And she looked at me and, and literally her eyes turned and her voice changed and she said, hatred, in a, in a really weird voice. 
Yeah. And and I put my hand on her and I commanded that spirit to leave her and it threw her down onto the ground and she gasped and started to weep. And I see that woman at that. <laughs> and so when she sees me, we have a very unique relationship. <laughs> She's like, hey, how are you doing? I know I shouldn't be complaining. I need to get in church. Like I'm like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, reg- regardless, my point is I was experiencing that, those moments. Now, see, there's been times in my life, though, guess what? I get caught up in ministry and the flesh of just running a church yeah. and my prayer life wanes and I'm not fasting. I'm not seeking the Lord desperately. I'm not led by the Spirit anymore. I don't have those divine moments where all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes upon me and I'm compelled to go to that person and, and pray in such a way. The, it's not there. I don't have a word for anybody else. I have to prepare everything. And that, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? There's yeah. a difference between flesh ministry and being truly led by the Spirit. You can, I can sit down and study with the best of them, son, and conjure stuff up out of books and all this stuff. But we don't just need that. We don't just need man's wisdom or our own ability to, to create a good service. We need people who will seek God, who will pray, who will fast and say, Holy Spirit, yeah. what are you doing today? Who are you leading me to? What's the word you want me to give? And when we do that, man, he falls on yeah. people. He falls on people. And so it's no longer us just trying to be good people and maybe figure out a way to share the gospel, but we're seeking God and opening ourselves up to the power of God and saying, we need you to invade this space in power. That's how Jesus functioned. That's how the apostles functioned. And that's still what God's calling us to do. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I'm talking like the doctrine stuff or, like, the debate stuff. What it comes down to is, like, I mean, I don't want to – just say a prayer and like okay i'm saved i'm good now and then just be complacent the rest of my life and not care about other people that's not god that can't be and so to me it just makes sense like and that's the uh, that's kind of what the lord is breathing on us in our church right now with this with prayer like prayer is the backbone of all this like when you are seeking God, when you're praying, and we said this on another podcast, but he begins to shape your heart. He begins to posture your your whole mindset. The way you see people in every situation is different. And why would we not want that? Why would we not want to grow closer to him and, and have these moments where real life change happens for people? Yeah. Like as weird as... <clears throat> As weird as it may be and as uncomfortable as you may think it is, at the end of the day, the Lord gave you a word in a moment that you spoke to somebody and yeah. and, and something radical happened and changed that person. And it could, I mean, who who knows what, what what's behind the scenes? I mean, you're talking about literally generations of, of, of lives that could be changed because you're seeking the Lord, because yeah. you're going after him, and because you feel a nudge like, hey, I need to go and say a prayer for this person. I guarantee one thing, if you're not seeking the Lord, you're not praying, you're not reading, you're not trying to grow in that and being led by the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to happen for you. No, you'll you'll not feel led to do it because yeah. your your flesh will always say that's weird, they'll think you're weird. Yeah. Your flesh will always say that. But if you sense an internal power from within you or something literally a physical manifestation come upon you because and we'll talk more about spiritual gifts next week. But this is this is why I have almost zero room. I know that some people are cessationists, and I believe they're still Christians. They st- they're still saved, and I ain't arguing with them. 
I get that some people just would prefer to accept that doctrine that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. But I cannot do it because I've had way too many experiences of, 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 of God. Like with that woman, what that was, okay, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to all, basically to profit all. Okay, mm. and then it, and then it lists in that particular context nine gifts of the spirit. Yeah, one of them is word of knowledge. Another one is discerning of spirits. In that moment, a manifestation of the spirit was given to me. You know what it did? It made my heart pound. I got hot, and inwardly, I just knew I was compelled to get up and go speak to that woman. In my flesh, ain't no way I'd have done it. There's mm. no way I would have done that. But the manifestation of spirit was given to move me. I yeah. felt a physical manifestation of the presence of God on my life to go do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when I go and do it, I'm still confused in my mind because my mind is carnal. It doesn't always line up with what the Spirit wants to do. But as I go, there's subtle impressions and just inner knowings, okay? And one of the, those was that, you know, I prayed for the one woman who, that needed healing, and yeah. God healed her and touched her, and she's over here in a corner weeping. And then, and then, and I'm telling you, the Lord just invaded the place. And and then, then I get this it's a word of knowledge. I don't know how I know it. I just know this woman needs to forgive somebody. I don't know who she needs to forgive, but simply me releasing that to her hit at that point in her heart where God wanted to deal with her. Yeah. And then when she turned and looked at me, discerning of spirits happened, and I realized this is a demon spirit that just took hold in her life. And I don't, that first time I'd ever commanded anything to leave anybody, and I'm not encouraging you to do that without the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's not something I go around doing. But in that moment, I knew. Yeah. I knew I was looking in the eyes of something that wasn't that woman, and she needed freed yeah. from it. And that's what that 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 moment in and of itself radically shifted everything I believe about the Christian life. Mm. But I prayed and fasted into that moment. Now, again, I'll, I'll I'll be the first to tell you this is this is why I think there's more for us in the spirit because we get we become leaky Christians. It's possible to be to be full of the Holy Spirit and then your relationship with Jesus get really dull and you're not seeking God anymore and you're no longer full. He still lives in yeah. there, yeah, but you're not giving him the same place and the ability to fill you like you did last. You're not coming to Jesus and drinking on a daily basis. Yeah. Jesus said, come unto me and drink. All you who thirst, come to me and drink. Mm -hmm. As the scripture said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke about the Spirit. And so here's the thing. If you want the Spirit of God to flow out of you like that, you need to come to Jesus and drink regularly. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. While we're talking about gifts of the Spirit, everybody's afraid of them. And, e and even when we talk about them, it's like there's a, there's, there's a lot of hesitation and, and just... And, and I would encourage people to ask questions about it. Let's wrestle with it. I'm open to being wrong doctrinally about some of this. I'm just saying that I've experienced some things that let me know, okay, what it says in the Bible is actually what it is. It's yeah. not somehow shifted now because we're here and they're not. Uh, no. No, it's still there. Um, it's still available. So so let's let's wrestle through some of that stuff. But understand this, that when the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, there's a commandment in there to earnestly desire spiritual gifts and it comes to us at least two times that I know of in 1 Corinthians 12. Pursue love but earnestly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy it says. Uh, in another place it says you know earnestly earnestly desire mm. spiritual gifts. Pursue these. Excel in these. And so he's, he's saying yeah these, these things need to be done in order 
because you we're not here to freak people out yeah we're not here yeah. to get weird we're not here to have a wild church service that's not the goal of spiritual gifts the goal of spiritual gifts is people need an encounter with Jesus and God has chosen for those that that are will seek him and be diligent and say I want you to use me in these and are willing to go after it mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will fill you and he will use you in ways to give somebody a word and you just step out naturally and do it I didn't do anything weird my hip didn't quiver I didn't have to say, say shimmy ta ta before I talked to that woman I walked in there like a normal human being and and just and just had a conversation with her and, yeah. but but the difference was God was there. Yeah, the whole the power of the Holy Spirit was there to do a work. I don't imagine Jesus doing anything weird, but guess what? People would just touch his clothes, and power would and would flow mm-hmm. out of him. Uh, that's who he is. And 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 here's the thing: none of us are Jesus. None of us will ever measure up to Jesus. But as the body of Christ, we are corporately anointed, and each one of us should seek to proclaim. Should seek to one have a relationship with God that's where we are just filled with God and and are intimate with Him and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we seek opportunity. Like when we proclaim the gospel, we should expect that sometimes signs and wonders should follow. Yeah, God should move. God should set people free. God should give a miraculous word to somebody that just is like, man, God's real. Mm-hmm. I've been reading that verse. You talk, we talk about praying the promises. I think it's, I think it's 1 Corinthians 14, maybe, maybe verse... Uh, I don't know, 15, 24. Anyway, what it says somewhere is that that people would come into the church and it literally says that people would prophesy and the secrets of their hearts would be revealed and they would fall down on their face and worship God and say, truly, God is among you. Mm. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine having a small group where the Lord just moves and you ain't doing nothing weird, but you just have a word and you say, I feel like maybe the Lord's saying this. And you really, and you speak that into a person's heart and the secrets of their heart are revealed and they worship God and they say, man, truly God is among you. Yeah. This is, this is, I, I can sense that the Lord is here. Yeah, I don't see how, I mean, as, as Christian people, how can we not desire those things how can we not want those things like you said you know sometimes it's uncomfortable and when you talk about these things um you know we have to humble ourselves yeah you know it it challenges the way we think it challenges what makes sense but at the end of the day like i mean like you said we should be desiring a church service and and to, to look like that our families to look like that to for god to to show up in his power and and heal people yeah, and 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 change their lives. Um, and, and here's the thing: if we if people say, "Well, I've never experienced that," well, I don't know if I believe that. I've never experienced that. Well, one, you've been disobedient to Scripture because you've never done what it says in actually desiring it. Yeah, that's it. It says, "Desire it, seek after these things zealously." Matter of fact, in the King James version, it says, "Covet earnestly the best gifts." Mm-hmm. The one thing that you can covet and be really jealous for is spiritual gifts because and and here's the thing i feel like god has given us our church a mandate to make the supernatural natural you don't have to be weird about it you don't have to be spooky you can be filled with the power of god and let that power be released on Mm -hmm. people and it be the most natural thing where where they just sense the love of god the peace of god there's nothing weird about it there's nothing suspect about it we're not out here trying to be charismaniacs. We just want to be open to the real move of the Spirit of God. That's it. Yeah. That's so, it. and yeah, I mean, at the end of the the chapter, and I think this is, you know, regardless of 
where we are on this journey and kind of beliefs and things, we, we can all agree, like you said, Clay, that um, we should want more. Yeah. And, and we need more of God. We need to be committed to, to worshiping, to fasting, uh, to being discipled, to evangelizing, to, to praying, to reading. And if we would just really uh, try to humble ourselves and, and allow, pray for it, like, you know, like we've talked about the past couple of weeks, pray for a burden. And really just be open to, you know, God, God, show me what you have for me. Yeah. Show me what you have for my family. Show me what you have for our church. And, and, and how can you use me in a greater measure? And, and I don't understand everything, but I'm open to it. You're right. And so I'm just, I want to pray into that. Uh, and then, and start there. Yeah. And every single day, just go after God, go after God, go after God, and just see what happens. Yeah. Because it ain't nothing we're doing anyway. It's not us mustering this stuff up like no if we're just open to it god's going to show up in his power yeah and he's going to do mighty works amongst us yeah i can't convince you of these things but but if you seek the lord and are open and ask him he sure can yeah <laughs> like i mean i'm i'm open to being wrong i don't care to be wrong yeah i mean i'm 35 years old i had i got a public education from clay county high school i'm you know like i'm most likely wrong about a lot of things yeah but I've sought the Lord and had some encounters with God. And I think, you know, in Scripture I can see, I don't know all what we need to necessarily always lay out doctrinally. I've given you a few different views. All I know is there's more power in the Holy Spirit and in the book of Acts. They were regularly seeking God for that power to be filled over and over and over again, yeah. to be used in greater ways. And when they did, the Lord showed up and, and moved. And that's what we need to pray into. And just and and let and go to the scripture. Just let let the scripture speak for itself. You know, yeah. it's one thing to let John Wesley or John Calvin or any of the Johns, John MacArthur, <laughs> whichever your favorite John is, teach you doc doctrine. Uh, but but go to the scripture. And I love doctrine, man. I'm a doctrine dude. But 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 go to the scripture and let let the word of God yeah. speak for itself and say, Lord, I don't want to put any limits on you. Yeah, uh, be open open yeah. open about it because yeah. I mean we all bring, especially growing up in this area, we all have different backgrounds and different experiences in different areas. But but yeah, I think just just being open to this stuff and just again, I don't know about about you, um, but but I want my family to be changed i want the people that's in our church to be changed i want this to be real and genuine and not just you know yeah something fake and it just kind of like be a cute thing we do on sundays but it just be our complete life where we're going after god and seeing him do it and do its, awesome things on know? its most basic level you know to close out this power and then i think next week we'll talk more about spiritual gifts in a little bit more depth and if people have any questions they can ask uh but but in its most best basic level, Jesus said, Acts 1-8, you know, he's preparing then, I'm, I'm going away. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Mm -hmm. they, they pray 10 days for that promise to take place, the promise of the Father that he would send his spirit, and they'd be clothed with power from on high. Mm -hmm. And then Acts 1-8, he says again, after that, you know, he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon, upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. The greatest indicator of the Holy Spirit's power at work in your life is that literally you are compelled to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You have to go out and, and you see people with the lens of, of, of like, this person needs to know Jesus. Yeah. I'm compelled to invite them to church, to share with them my testimony, to share with them a verse of Scripture, to say, can I pray for you? 
when the Holy Spirit's, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and He's working in you, He's moving you toward those things. So we just want to cry out for that kind of power. That's all. That's all I think of God. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.